the scripture that has been read to your hearing, we will read it again so that we are all on one accord. 1 John chapter 3, verses 17 through 18, reading from the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible, goes as thus. How does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother and sister in need and yet refuses help? Little children, let us love, not in word or speech, but in truth and action. In staying in alignment with a theme called to make a difference, failure is not an option. Today's sermon is titled, Meet the Need. Let us pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you. I thank you not only for another day to come and worship and, and lift up your holy name, but Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to stand behind this sacred desk and to proclaim your word to your people. Lord, I have studied, I have done my research. Now by the power of your Holy Spirit, preach this word. Lord, I pray for those that are in the house that let them, let them not be only hearers of the word, but also doers of the word. Let them receive it in their heart, but also apply it in their life so that they might be a little closer to you. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, for you are my rock and my redeemer. And I will be sure when it's all said and done to give you all the glory, all the praise, and all the honor that you so rightly deserve. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. To give you some context this morning, the epistles, also known as the letters of 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John, according to some scholars, have said that it's been authored by the Apostle John. The letters were not written to a particular church, but they were sent as a pastoral letter to several Gentile congregations, meaning churches that were believers in Jesus Christ. The overall purpose behind the writing of these letters was that the Apostle John wanted to reassure Christians in their faith, confirm their responsibility as Christians, and also to make them aware of the false teachers of the gospel. Specifically, the first letter of John, which, which I will be speaking from, was written to put believers back on track and to encourage the church to grow in genuine love for God and one another. Which brings me to the text today from the chapter three of 1 John. In the beginning of chapter three, John reminds us as believers that our self-worth is based on the fact that God loves us and calls us his children. John also reminds us as believers of Christ that we have victory over sin. And as we approach our text for today, as I read earlier, how does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need yet refuses to help? What was very interesting and puzzling to me as I read the text was why the Apostle John phrased the question in such a way that would imply that as believers, we should already have God's love abiding in us and therefore help those in need. So when I sat and thought about that, it further makes me wonder if the implication that if we should have God's abiding love in us, then that should propel us 
to help our brothers and sisters in need, and why are we refusing to do so? Brothers and sisters, sometimes when a question is asked, it is based on a preconceived notion that has been made because there's something amiss. Remember, the Apostle John wrote this letter to the Gentile congregation, believers of Jesus Christ. The question is not about why, but rather, how is it that we're claiming to have God's love abiding in us and it's not demonstrated in action by meeting the needs of our brothers and sisters? With this in mind, I want us to look at the text in relation to God, to others, and to ourselves. The beginning of the text states, how does love, God's love abide in anyone? Let's just stop right there. In order for us to know how God's love abides in any one of us, we must first understand what is God's love? The love that is mentioned here of God is not a romantic love or a love of intimacy from a sexual perspective, no. But it is referring to agape love. Agape love is a supernatural, spirit-enabled, selfless, sacrificial love for others, independent of how they treat us or respond. Let me read that again. Agape love is a supernatural, spirit-enabled, selfless, sacrificial love for others, independent of how they treat us or respond. It is a love that loves even when it is rejected. Agape love has less to do with emotion and has much to do with self-denial for the sake of another. This description of this kind of love can be found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, when Paul says, starting in verse four, love is patient, love is kind, Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but it rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. When this type of love is abiding, it means it remains steady. It's continuous without change. It resides, and it's not fickle the way we love at times. It is abiding. And the way we understand abiding in the word is we can look up in John 15, 5, where it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. We are incapable of abiding in this agape love of God in our own human flesh. We need God's love to dwell in us. Now that I've described to you what agape love is and what God's love is from that perspective, now, keep that in mind, let us go into how this is in relation to others. It says, how does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need, yet refuses to help. The world's goods mentioned here refers to shelter, clothing, money, food, anything that is a means of survival. This is what's interesting. The term brother and sister in this text is not talking about people on the outside. 
It is talking about the people in the household of faith, our brothers in the faith. That is why the Apostle John asked the question. If we're supposed to have this kind of agape love of God residing in us, how come we are making the decision, making the decision, and refusing to help our brothers and sisters? Because remember, this agape love is sacrificial for others, and it's independent how they treat us or respond to us. If we are unable to meet the needs of our brothers and sisters in the household of faith, how can God can trust us to go out and meet the needs of those that don't even know him? In Deuteronomy 15, 7 through 8, this is what the word of God says. If anyone is poor among you, your fellow Israelites, in any of the towns of the land your God has given you, do not be hard-hardened or tight-fisted toward them. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend them whatever they need. So if we've got this agape love in us, God's love abiding in us, and we are supposed within the household of faith, other believers, we are supposed to openly lend a hand when there's a need. Not because of our own flesh, but because of God's abiding love that is in us. The text is saying we should be compassionate towards the needs of our brothers and sisters. This is not an option. Our decision to turn the other way and not help, we have decided in our own flesh to make it a choice. The word of God says the two greatest commandments is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And the second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. We know what, love's, we know what God's abiding love is. We've just learned what it is in relation to others. Now let's really dive into what this text is talking about in relation to ourselves. Verse 18 says, little children, let us love, not in word or speech, but in truth and action. Brothers and sisters, love is not some feeling, emotion, or impulse. Love must be translated into action. If you say you care about me, show me. If you say you love me, show me. If you say that you're willing to listen to me when I have a problem, show me. Does our actions show the love of God? Let me tell you what James 2, 14 through 17 says. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, it is not accompanied, if not accompanied by action, is dead. What does it say in the word? Faith without works is dead. The greatest act of love is giving oneself for others. Missionaries, we are called to serve others. YPDers, we are called to serve others. Believers in Jesus Christ, we are called to serve others. Serving others with no doubt of receiving anything in return. As believers of Jesus Christ, we have a responsibility not to only love and meet the need of, meet the need of others, but we must do it through our actions. Some of you might be saying, well, 
Sister Nefti, I have failed in loving others in this way, not showing them the love of God through my actions. The wonderful thing about all this is that we serve a God that can do all things but fail. He doesn't look at our failures, but utilizes them for us can, can, to continue this work, this race. We're giving chances after chances to start over and get it right. That is why failure is not an option, because God we serve, who does not fail, continues to be merciful and graceful to us. And some of you are still probably wondering, but that's not good enough. Well, let me make it plain for you. In the word of God, many people failed, or what we consider to be failures. Moses stuttered. David's armor didn't fit. Jacob was a liar. David had an affair. John was self-righteous. Paul was a persecutor of the church. Moses was a murderer. Jonah ran from God's will. Miriam was a gossip. Gideon and Thomas both doubted. Everyone I just mentioned could be considered as failures. But despite all their failures, God used them in a mighty way in the kingdom. No matter how often we fail, Jesus is there to help us get right back up and continue the work in his kingdom. Because he did that with this vessel after many times of failing. We are needed in the kingdom, brothers and sisters, to meet the needs of not only our brothers, but those in the world. Beloved, the greatest need that we ever needed was met on Calvary's cross. God loved us so much. He gave his only begotten son to be crucified and to die for you and for me. He gave us a savior who died for our past sins and failures, for our present sins and failures, and for our future sins and failures. That is the agape love that needs to flow in us and out of us with the help of the Holy Spirit to be able to meet the need. And as I close, I wanted to tell you all a story. A few months ago, I was headed to work and um, I wanted to stop to get some coffee. I stopped in Starbucks. Yes, you know, sometimes that $7 cup of coffee is really good. <laughs> and as I walked in, and it was like kind of like a roundabout before I could order, as I walked in, there was a lady in front of me, probably 40 feet in front of me, and there were merchandises on the wall. And as I'm coming in, you know, I see her look around. And she looks around, and she grabs the merchandise and discreetly puts it in her purse. And so when I saw that, I was like, oh, you know. And when she made eye contact with me, guess what I did? Pretend I was looking at my phone. <laughs> like I didn't see anything because it made me very uncomfortable. And as she turned the corner, and I turned the corner, and she went up, she was about to go order. All I said is, Holy Spirit, what do I do? And when she ordered a cup of ice, she waited. I tapped her on her shoulder, and I said, please let me pay for that for you. She looked at me for a good three minutes. This was the longest three minutes of my life. Because <laughs> I didn't know how she was going to respond. But she went in her bag, discreetly took it out, 
and gave it to me. And I paid for her, and as we were both waiting for our drinks, she says to me, thank you, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm homeless, and, um, and I just said, it's okay. You're very welcome, and God bless you. She went along her way. At that moment, that was the love of God that was in me that did this. It was not me in my flesh that did it. It was not me in my flesh. Because if it was in my flesh, I would have probably just looked away or, you know, told, which I probably wouldn't have told. But, you know, but because I asked for the help of the Holy Spirit at that moment, I was able to help her in her need. I was able to meet her in her need. Brothers and sisters, like I said, our greatest, our greatest need was met on Calvary's cross. If God was willing to demonstrate his love like this for us, we ought to be willing to help one another in need and to demonstrate the love we say we have for one another. Because we're all called to make a difference, especially in the kingdom of God. And because of that, we know that failure is not an option because of who God is, who never fails, who continues to help us get up and try again over and over and over again. So brothers and sisters, let me encourage you this morning. Let the love of God abide in you. So that at the end of the day, we're able to do what we've been called to do, is to serve people. Give them a helping hand when they are in need. No matter what the response is, no matter how they treat us. Because trust and believe we can never repay the Lord Jesus Christ for what he did for us. May the Lord bless you, my beloved.